Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 338 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, March the 6th, and I'm joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Brad, what's going on, buddy? It's been a little while since you and I have done one of these, and uh, there's some some lockout stuff to talk about and a few other miscellaneous Braves things, so should have a good show, and let's hope sooner than later we can finally get some kind of resolution on this uh, ridiculousness. Yeah, it's been so long since you and I have talked on this format that the name of the show changed. So that that's I can tell you how long it's been. And uh, I should encourage everyone at the top of the podcast. I think if you're a listener to this show or our podcast network, you probably know by now. But in case you only listen to the to the uh, the flagship program, which is currently the one you're listening to now and haven't heard this before, yes, we are now the Battery Power Podcast. And of course, it's also BatteryPower.com. The name change happened, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks ago at this point. And uh, nothing's changed on the podcast network. Still three shows. This one with myself, Scott, and also Eric Cole is frequently with us. And then we have the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman, which I was actually a guest on this week. And then Road to Atlanta, the Minor League Podcast, which Eric is the uh, shepherd of along with the minor league crew. That's all uh, for the low price of $0. It's on the same feed. So uh, you're not in the wrong place, I promise you. And uh, this is just going to be called Battery Power Podcast from now on. So as you heard before, the uh, the countdown continues. We're, we're episode 338. And as I said, I think it was like a week ago now, but uh, the network overall has now eclipsed 500 episodes. So uh, awesome. lots of con- lots of content on this on this feed. Lots of content for the World Series champion battery power podcast i was thinking <laughs> the other day i was like you know what we could use some good news i'm going to tweet out that video uh you might have heard the braves won the world series a few months ago of uh dansby swanson fielding a uh an immaculate inning from will smith drawing it's a, it's over a guaranteed to uh guaranteed uh interactions on twitter for you to tweet that out i think it has like a thousand likes i looked, I looked this up the other uh, i guess it was yesterday it just makes um, me happy and if yeah. it makes me happy I, I like i'm a man of the people I like to make other people happy. Let's let's relive those memories instead of photos of Rob Manfred practicing his <laughs> golf swing. Oh, yes. Rob Manfred, favorite of this podcast for a long time. And I, <laughs> I have to say, Scott, uh, I think we're vindicated by Rob's recent behavior and getting a little bit more press these days. Uh, every once in a while, when we kind of crap on Rob Manfred, we get some pushback, at least uh, on Twitter or something, about piling on. And I think no one's doing that anymore, for the most part. There are still some holdouts. I've kind of had to laugh a few times, especially in Chris Willis's mentions recently. There are some owner stands out there, and I don't know why those people exist, but they, but they do. Um, but alas, I did talk to Sean a little bit about this on Tuesday, but some stuff has changed. Obviously, the work stoppage continues, the ninth work stoppage in baseball history, and the fourth that's now going to cost 
games of some kind. The opener has been delayed, as we talked about earlier as well, down back to April 7th against the Reds. Six games are canceled right now. That number could grow in the, in the, in the near future, I should say. And I will note this quickly. Um, the schedule is technically collectively bargained. So uh, I guess if you want to be to the letter of the law, the owners can't actually cancel games on their own. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's been framed that way. Baseball has kind of changed their scheduling on MLB.com and all that stuff. But you know, if you want to go sort of get, get into the weeds, they can't really do that by themselves. So we'll see if that comes back up later on. But this is day 95 of the yeah. ongoing lockout. They did meet today in New York. Uh, that was the first meeting in a few days um, after, of course, the fake deadline that transpired last week. Um, yeah. Evan Drellis reported a bunch on this stuff. Um, the players gave a written proposal for the first time in a while. Of course, they were in the same room just talking last week, but this time it was a, uh, a pre-packaged written proposal. Um, as usual, the players have conceded a lot more than the owners have, and yet nothing seems to be working. In fact, a baseball spokesman attempted to frame it as being worse than last week's offer, which doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense to me, uh, and also used the term deadlocked in a statement. So we can get into the details if you want to, Scott, but uh, I've not heard from you on this in a while. Where's your brain at on the day 95 of the lockout? Oh man. I, I think like so many people, I'm just so over this. Like it's frustrating. It makes me genuinely angry. Um, just from the very start, the, the way this whole thing has gone down, there was never a requirement to make it to, to strike and close out the league. The owners uh, shut down the league. They didn't have to. Then the two sides infamously at this point went like seven weeks without talking once and then tried to cram everything into like a 10 day window in Florida. It obviously didn't happen. Uh, It's just, and and then more of this just complete and total BS of negotiating through the media. Um, There are a couple of national reporters who I think folks are pretty familiar with at this point who are, are essentially mouthpieces for the owners uh, which is kind of a joke. And then you have a couple who are a little more representative of the players association. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's just a shame. It's a black eye for baseball. Um, it seems like we are nowhere closer today than we were at any point over the winter. Uh, and here we are recording this on March 6th. It's, it's clear, I guess, maybe not clear, but very likely that we are going to have more than six games canceled. The owners are very obviously in no rush to get back on the field because as we have learned, they can basically miss 25 or so games of the season with the TV contracts where uh, it's not going to hurt them as much financially. Uh, it's just, it's a shame. The sport is in terrible, terrible shape. And quite honestly, as much as I want baseball back, some of these proposals that are being reported in exchange to try to reach an agreement sound horrible to me, like <laughs> yeah. half the league making the playoffs and like the CBT stuff. I just don't care. Like casual fans don't give two poops about it. And it's, it's just like, goodness gracious guys, we, we need to figure this out because it, there was a fa- I wanted to bring this up. There was a fascinating study done and I, I apologize. I forget who did it, but somebody looked up the 25 most famous American athletes on, I think Instagram and of the 25 most popular athletes on Instagram, there was not a single baseball player on the list. They were all football, basketball. There might've been a soccer player or two. Um, That speaks volumes to a game that has been in decline in recent years. And it's stuff like this, ugly lockouts where games get canceled that some sports just don't recover from. I think they're going to have the diehards like you and me and the ones who truly love the Braves and love the game. But 
every day this goes on. It's, it's bad PR. It's bad for the league. It's bad business. Uh, it's, it's really a shame and it's unfortunate we got here, but looking back on everything, it just seems inevitable from everything we've learned that this is going to continue and, and continue to be a black eye for the sport. It does seem that way. And I mean, there's all kinds of angles we could take and we, this could be a two hour podcast that we won't, we won't do today, but um, just as an example of like what you were talking about of the owners not being in a, in a big hurry, Joe Sheehan brought this up on Twitter today, but you know, season tickets start being charged back in the fall in like August, September. And a lot of these teams have taken either deposits or full season package money for season tickets. And they've just been sitting on it basically as a, as a interest-free loan for months now. Hmm. Wow. And yes, they're going to, they're going to have to refund that at some point because there will be games that are not happening, but that's just an example of like the inherent advantages that the owners can have here. Cause they just, they're just sitting on millions of dollars, basically like the Braves, especially as a good example, maybe the best, maybe the best example coming off a world series championship. I can tell you with great confidence that it's been reported that like the ticket numbers are off the charts right now for the Braves. They had massive windfall in terms of not only the ticket sales during the playoffs, but um, as you might imagine, for a team that just won the World Series, season tickets are way up. And those people are paying yeah. ahead of time. And now Liberty Media has just had that money chilling and earning interest on their behalf. And now, you know, they, they might have to refund some of it, but that's just another one of those small things. It's not even such a, such a small thing, a small thing, actually. So it's really interesting to me, all of it. I, I, I'm with you on this one. Like even people that are very invested, like, you know, I think people know this by now listening to us, but I'm certainly on the player side here. I think that they have kind of lost the last couple of CBAs and we're not a big CBA podcast normally, unless there's a lockout. Cause I just like to talk about baseball. I know you do too. And so does Eric, but if you look sort of the way this has been trending for a long time, the players have been losing and the owners want to make them lose yet again here. And they've already been losing. So it's like, on one hand, I would like for the players to do better. So I understand them not just taking any offer, but then you see a tweet or you see a message or whatever from a friend that doesn't care as much as we do. And they're like, we don't care. Just make baseball happen. And honestly, I understand that opinion. Like yeah. what I don't understand is people that are like, th- that are actually on the owner side of this that I will never understand. But I do get the detached viewpoint of people that are just like, look, the players might, might have a raw deal here, but you know, personally slash selfishly, I want them to play so I can watch baseball. Like I do yeah. get that. Like at the end of the day, if the, if the, if the players sign a bad deal in a week or in two weeks or in five weeks, am I going to come on here and maybe say they signed a bad deal? Like maybe, but then from there, like five minutes later, we'll be talking about baseball. You know what, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. we're kind of in the middle on this one. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of, in, I'm more in the media than you are on this sense, but like we, we do a podcast, like at least attempts to be, kind of uh, neutral most of the time, but even then, like we want to, we want to watch baseball. So I don't know. This whole thing is very complicated. I'm totally with you. Like maybe there's a discussion to be had if this keeps going on and then we'll probably have it about like the actual long-term damage. Cause that's of course a hot button topic right now, but for, yeah. for now, like they're not going to play for a while and it's going to be very close. Like even the posturing today after their quick meeting in New York was like pretty uh, standoffish, let's say like baseball, yeah. And you talked talk, talk about the negotiating in the media thing, and that's just been happening this entire time. And there's always a little bit of that, but in this online era, like every little piece of everything is getting out there. And I'm not sure that's good for everybody. It's not the reporter's fault. They're, they're trying to do their jobs, but it's um, interesting for sure. And the big stuff's still money. I mean, there's 
all kinds of discussions about like the, you know, <laughs> playoff format, et cetera. And I guess we'll do a little bit of that in a second, but really according to everyone that I trust from your Jeff Passons to your Evan Drelich's to Ken Rosenthal, like everyone's like, all right, money's really the thing that's still the case here. Like it's the CBT thresholds and it's the pre-R pool and the minimum salary. And those are the things yeah. and everything else will just figure it out at the last minute. But the CBT threshold is like number one, it seems. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about just, they seem to be going backwards. And I know that the owners and, and kind of their way of negotiating through the media and everything, but like uh, when the headline came out this morning or the report came out this morning that the players association was going to quote, introduce some new things with their offer today. It was yep. like, Oh my God, this is going absolutely nowhere. Like, <laughs> and you know, there was also the report that the players may be more open to a 14 team playoff instead of a 12, because it seems like a guarantee we're at least expanding to, to 12. Yes, that is the, that has been litigated. I mean, they seemingly agreed on 12 when they were getting a little bit closer last week, but the owners still want 14. And the players, you know, according to that report by Buster only, I think it was, and even Jeff Passan said that they're considering that, but only with some concessions. Like the players know that that's one thing that the owners actually badly want. So to actually give them 14 without getting a deal done would be really bad. Like they have to at least use, I mean, I hate 14. I think you probably do too. I despise an expanded playoff and I've said it a number of times, but um, the, the union, if you're trying to be uh, reasonable about this, they understand that's, that's an actual chip that they have. So if they want to get, if they think the CBT thresholds are more important than 14, 14 team playoff, I, you know, that's not great for the sport. I don't think, or the actual competitive nature or the fan experience, but if they're trying to make a better deal for themselves, it is what it is. But I mean, the 14 team playoff, <laughs> Can we yeah. just, oh, why are we doing this? By the way, the ghost, how, how about ghost wins? Have you been following the yeah, ghost wins? That, yeah, that's something. It's like, what are we doing here? Well, like, at least the whole theory with that, I mean, I don't know. We hate 14-team playoff ideas. If they have a 14-team playoff, at least do something to reward division success. So, yeah. like, I don't know if it's a ghost win, but that's what it's, one of the proposals, by the way, if you don't know what this is, is like, if you win the division, you get it. Like you get, you actually win a free game in the series, basically, and that's something that, like, I guess the KBO has been doing it over in Korea. Um, I, I don't know. I hate all of this stuff, but the biggest reason why I hate fourteen team playoffs is that it just it's, it, it makes the regular season useless. So at least do something to try to carry that off. Like try to uh, head that off at the pass. Like do something to reward actual success because we saw it with the shortened season, and at least that was a, a sort of a one off with a sixteen team playoff that was kind of farcical. Uh, playing a full 162 and having a 14 team playoff is just the most ridiculous thing in the world. <laughs> it really yes, is. it is. And like, it's not exclusive to baseball owners and all the four major sports want more playoff games because it means more money. Like I, I get it. And I think the players probably like the idea of having more teams in the postseason. play. It's a long season. I, I get why the players want it. Teams want it. Owners want it. But at some point, you're right, you play 162 games for half of the league to make it. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. On, I lean towards the player side on most of these things. But I'm, I'm also growing a little more worried by the day that, yes, the players are going to get a little more of their fair share of the money. But the cost is going to be that, that the sport and the league is worse off because of the concessions they're going to have to make in order to get the money that they deserve. And I don't know if they'll ever be able to reach a happy medium. Um, I think everyone is desperate for baseball at this point. I would love to say, do this podcast with you tonight and say, hey, opening day is three weeks away. Yeah. Uh, very, very clearly it's not. And, you know, it's 
there was that infamous headline. Uh, it was an AP sports writer who was shilling for the owners and said, you know, we're on day three of the negotiations is Max Scherzer showed up in his Maserati today. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he did. Max Scherzer is a hall of famer and, and makes a absolute F ton of money. But at the same time, right. What, what private jet did the owners fly in that morning? In? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the owners have uh, even Max Scherzer, who is one of the more wealthy players in major league baseball uh, doesn't have one tenth of the of the poorest owner in terms of money. Like it's not even a discussion. Like what are we even doing here? Like who cares <laughs> what he's driving to the negotiations? Like right. yes. And the he's whole thing rich. is they they want the negotiating committee to not only be made up of guys who don't have a lot of money. Like you want to have the split there. I mean I'm not saying that it's like Scherzer by all accounts is like one of the bulldogs in the room for them. Like he's actually working really hard apparently to the point where he's he's actually annoying the owner side. But like if you're the players you don't want to only go in there with a bunch of minimum guys. Like you have to have someone representing the guys who make a lot of money. And obviously they have less sympathy, like for guys, like we'll use Freddie Freeman as the Braves uh, example, at least currently of a guy who's been making a lot of money for a long time. Like, yeah, he's yeah. not, he's not worried about money. Like Freddie, Freddie's in good shape, but you know, you have to have someone giving that perspective. You can't just negotiate from the bottom. So it's just, it's such in bad faith. It's, that stuff drives me crazy. I mean, we could probably form a list of like 20, to 50 to a hundred things that annoy me about the coverage of all this stuff. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that, that is certainly one of them. And I do think though, on the coverage side, like there were, there've been some pretty candid player statements like on Twitter and things, Instagram, Facebook, like Marcus Stroman, who's obviously very candid on Twitter is very online, literally tweeted Manfred got to go. That was a quote from Marcus, <laughs> Stroman, an active player in the, in major league baseball. It'd be like the commissioner's got to go. Like that's obviously it's Marcus Stroman. So like he says a lot of stuff, but you know, that's a good example of like the frustration level that these guys are under. And also um, I guess the transparency now that in this age of players can just say whatever they want to without having to like go to the media or put out a statement, they can just get online and tweet something. It's pretty interesting actually. And you, you referenced the, the, uh, the air golf swing by Manfred. Oh yeah. Earlier, God. but even the press conference, like, I know you have, you and I have talked about this, him like yucking it up and laughing and like joking at the press conference is like, what planet do you live on? Like, yeah, no. why? I mean, I understand that he's supposed to be the shield for the owners. Like in practice, the commissioner, one of the biggest misconceptions in the world is that the commissioner works for both sides. He doesn't, he's just an over, he's an owner representative. He works for the owners. So like, he's not this neutral arbiter of baseball. Like he actually works for one side, but have some like self-awareness to not go out there and yuck it oh, up. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> No, baseball needs a uh, a PR overhaul in the worst way. Like like the NFL has some of the best PR team like in the entire world, regardless of business or organization. Like the NFL is amazing with it. Um, baseball is a joke, and I guess whenever you have a commissioner who's a joke, like it, it kind of trickles down from there. Um, but there's, there's just so many things that are infuriating from him laughing and joking, and of course he has the infamous piece of metal comment about the World Series trophy. Um, to something is just lame as uh, MLB network cutting away from the MLB PA side of their so press bad. conference like that. That's, and I know it's owned by the league and that's probably something folks don't always realize either it's owned by the league, but like, that's like bordering on like foreign country dictatorship, like state run media at that point. And it's, it's just, it's frankly, it's embarrassing for the league that it's gotten to this point and, as we've said, there's seemingly no end in sight. I mean, I know uh, Buster only had a pretty, uh, I don't know the right word for it, but he had a, he sourced a longtime player agent who thought that June might be when the league would actually 
like begin to bargain and negotiate as Ugh. they actually need to do. Uh, June is three months from now. So I don't know. That's obviously just one longtime reporter and, and longtime agent's opinion, but um, it's just stuff like today was, was going in the wrong direction. And uh, yeah, what a, at least we have, uh, <laughs> at least we have minor league baseball going on minor league baseball camp. I guess that's like the one positive of this. Yeah. Uh, shouts to our minor league staff who actually have some stuff to, co- to cover in the coming days, but yeah. Uh, it's interesting. There's no end in sight. Like you said, you know, it wouldn't like floor me if they came back in the next couple of weeks and found a deal, but certainly at this stage, like there's not even a fake deadline anymore. Like as much as the deadline was not real, um, it might've helped spur some momentum and that didn't really come to pass. So um, obviously we're hoping it's not going to be June. That would be unfortunate on a number of levels, including for this podcast, as I have no idea what we'll talk about for three more months, but um We'll leave it there for now. What's anything else to add on the lockout, Scott? We can we can move on to non-lockout things, at least for a little bit. Um, go ahead. Anything no, else? I mean, nothing really. I think everyone at this point has firmly... Bye, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> form their opinions on this. And if Rob Manfred, I'm going to give him the old knuckle sandwich if I ever run into him. So uh... Wow, the old knuckle sandwich. That's, uh, that's intimidating. You um, like that? My, yes, my I, grandpa. My I grandpa's an that. avid listener. Yeah, That was good. Um <laughs> We'll save our 10 minutes on the pitch clock, which is apparently back on the negotiating table for another day. Um, that's an interesting conversation. But first, before we turn it over to some mailbag questions, it's minor league stuff. A word from our sponsors on the podcast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Scott, before we get to the mailbag, you referenced it, but minor league camp began today for the Braves, Sunday, March 6th. And uh, just for the record, 24 of the top 30 guys in the system for the Braves, according to our own battery power list, will be there. Um, as a reminder, anyone yep. on the on the 40-man will not be there. So uh, some of the top guys that you might know, Drew Waters, Christian Pache, et cetera, are not allowed to go to minor league camp. And they cannot perform with the minor leagues. But guys like Michael Harris and Shay Langoliers are on the scene and getting work in and uh, ostensibly they'll be, they'll be playing games and uh, I mean, minor league games in a couple of weeks, not even that, not even that long. And then actual games in early April, um, you know, you and I are not huge minor league baseball consumers. We always admit to that. Eric is uh, of course heading up our minor league coverage, but I'm excited about this just because it's actual baseball stuff. And, you know, candidly, I'll be able to watch more minor league baseball if there's no major league baseball. So I'll get a little bit more into it. Um, but they're going to have 140 guys or so participating in workouts over the next week or so. And, you know, it's something. There's at least some footage of Michael Harris, like throwing, throwing a baseball that was making, hmm. the news on, making the news, at least in Atlanta. Probably not in the news in uh, where you are, Scott. But the yeah. local news in Atlanta today actually had some, uh, some footage for Braves camp. So there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly happy because the minor leaguers were the ones that were hurt most by the 2020 COVID shortened season because they didn't have a season at all. So because of that, those guys, I think there are a handful of prospects internally with the Braves and, of course, across the entire league who I think their progression and, and 
trying to reach the major leagues is difficult enough, let alone having to go like 18 months without playing competitive baseball. It's just brutal. Um, so I'm very happy for their sake. You're right. Uh, when, when the Braves are playing 162 and we're trying to cover the team and do podcasts and everything like that, it can be difficult to really tune in all the way to the minor leagues. Uh, there's some really intriguing prospects for, for Atlanta right now. Some guys who uh, maybe aren't household names with, with, I guess, the, the general fan base, but guys who I think are, our prospect gurus would tell you they they're in for a big year in 2022 and hopefully they make a leap and, um, there's some players to be genuinely excited about Michael Harris. I think DOB had some coverage of him today. Uh, Michael Harris is quickly rising up the, uh, prospect list. Shay Langoliers seems like he has a very bright future. Um, it is a, a real bummer. And this was not something I realized until a couple weeks ago that because guys who are on the 40 man are, are league employees, if you will, guys like Pache can't be there. And we know how important of a year this is for his development. So that's a bummer. Obviously, he can work out on his own or, or with some friends or whatever it may be. But um, that that rule seems a little silly to me, but I get it. It is what it is. Um, but it is nice, nonetheless, to have some kind of baseball going on, even if it's not the big league, uh, big league players. For sure. And uh, there will be full coverage of the minor league stuff, as always, at Battery Power. But if you're a new listener slash new reader of the site, um, basically every single day or something close to that, there is minor league recap coverage and information. And candidly, you won't find anything better or deeper about the Brave system anywhere on the internet. And that's not even just us being like homers, which we are for the site, but there really isn't anything like it on the internet. Um, right. So we, we do fantastic coverage about we, I mean, not us, not me, especially. Occasionally, maybe you do, Scott, but uh, Eric and the crew, they do a fantastic job on the minor league side. So uh, Road to Atlanta, we'll be covering that. And uh, I'm sure especially when Eric is on, I will float him a matterly question every once in a while. So we can sort of get uh, that crossover appeal, but that's yeah. happening, which is uh, some baseball stuff, a lighter story. And again, 24 of the top 30 in attendance. So some stuff yeah. to keep an eye on there. And Hey, if, if you're a fan and you live in an area where there's minor league baseball, go out to the park, you know, spend a few dollars. Those, those organizations were just crushed financially from, from the fallout of COVID the last two years. Uh, if you can go out, buy some tickets, buy some hot dogs, buy some drinks, whatever it is, uh, support your local teams. And it's an opportunity for them to shine bright in a dark time for baseball. I know I'm going to try to get out to some minor league games over the next few months or however long uh, this lockout proceeds. Uh, but yeah, show some love to your local affiliates. Yeah, I'm, uh, I will almost certainly, let's just say I'll be more likely to go to a game in Rome or Gwinnett now there you go. While, yeah. while they're not playing, especially in Gwinnett. Like I can get there and. Well, maybe not during the week. On a Saturday, I get there probably 30 minutes. So it's like uh, not too bad. Okay. Uh, the first mailbag question that we'll get to uh, is actually lockout adjacent, but it's uh, it's more baseball than anything else. So comes from David, who asks us, let's say the season starts on May 1st or even Memorial Day, and I'll add even later than that potentially. Um, but the question is, does that help or hurt the Braves when compared to starting the season on time, or does it matter? Um, and, uh, you know, there's – ways to attack this, but I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it to you first, Scott. Does this, does the delay all things being equal, which is always cert, almost certainly not going to be the case, but all things, all things being equal, would you say this is actually good for the Braves competitively compared to other teams yeah. or is it kind of a neutral? Yeah. I was tweeting about this the other night and I think I'm, I am not overly in tune with all 29 other roster situations across baseball, but I would have a hard time believing that any team benefits more from this delay than the Braves do. 
And really it's because of two players and maybe three, depending on his long-term prognosis. But as we know, well, Ron Lacuna Jr. tore his ACL in the middle of July last year. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is a competitive guy, and the Braves are a better team when Ronald Acuna Jr. is on the field. You know both sides are going to want to get him out there as much and as quickly as they can. Uh, but that being said, he is the long-term franchise answer, especially with, with no Freddie Freeman signed at the moment. Uh, they need to take every precaution with Ronald, and the fact that he's uh, you know that we're at least going to be a couple weeks, if not months delayed, I think is a good thing for Ronald in his recovery. And then Charlie Morton right? He's 38 years old. He probably isn't going to recover physically as quickly as a guy who's, you know, 15 years younger than he is, but he underwent surgery on his broken leg. Um, what would it be in, in middle of November, early November, I guess. Um, so for Charlie to have a few more weeks and on the note of, of making a deep world series run, um, historically pitchers after seeing an increase in their workloads and a deep playoff run have not always fared the best. So, the, the likelihood that we're not going to play a full 162 this year and uh, give everyone a little extra time off is probably not the worst thing in the world for guys like Max Freed and Ian Anderson. Not that they have immediate injury concerns, but I guess it doesn't hurt. Um, and then Mike Soroka, I'm, I'm not sure what Mike's long-term health outlook is, but uh, again, he would probably fall into the category of Acuna and Morton as far as players who benefit from the time off. Um, though it may not be as immediate with Mike, just not knowing what his long-term outlook is going to be. Yeah, we don't really know on Soroka, and I, we've stressed before, but Soroka, I think until he proves it, you kind of can't count on him. And I, I hate saying that because he was obviously a very bright young guy for the Braves, but I, I think until he pitches and pitches for a little bit, you can't really make on that. Obviously, Eric's that's Eric's favorite player of all time, I think. Um, so I, I'm not trying to pile on Mike Soroka, but yeah, I would agree that if anything, it, it probably helps to give more time to a guy like that. Um, and, you know, candidly, Acuna and Morton are probably the best hitter pitcher on the team. Like you could maybe say Freed is better than Morton. I've always been on the Morton side of that. But regardless, he's either 1A or 1B with Freed. And then Acuna, if Freeman's not around, is a clear number one and might even be number one if Freddie is around. So that's pretty big in terms of impact, those guys being healthy and um, you know, Morton, it seemed like was kind of on track anyway, but Acuna, we kind of had that gray area because while he is certainly a freak, like having a guy come back in April off of an ACL tear in July would have been asking a lot. Well, so, and, and especially in April where you get those cold weather climates and you can be playing when it's 35 degrees or it's raining or got snowing sometimes like, <laughs> yeah, I'm as much as I want baseball back. And as much as I want to see Ron Acuna just pulverize some baseballs um i think the braves uh, i was running through some injuries from last season i think i think pretty definitively the braves benefit on a per game basis than anyone with with acuna and with morton yeah i uh, cannot uh, disagree with you on that and by the way while we're on the acuna thing briefly here um dob inter interviewed andrew jones this week and i thought it was an interesting comment that he made he said that acuna shared with him so you know it's third it's third person, but you know, why would he lie about this? Um, Acuna shared with Andrew Jones that he doesn't really want to play center field. And he's kind of done that to help the team. And obviously that makes some sense. You know, ideally Acuna has the tools to play center field and uh, has maybe even a little bit more value if you play center field. But at the same time, I, I think that even coming off the ACL, they wouldn't want him to this year, if at least very much at all. But that's one of those things that we talked about forever. Like it does give the Braves some versatility because your backup center fielder can be your star right fielder. But if he doesn't want to play center field anymore and the Braves might want to listen to that, 
Um, <laughs> something to keep an eye on. I mean, I, right now, clearly we've done this discussion before, but um, at the moment, they don't really have an opening day center fielder on the roster. Like Pache did not show himself terribly well last year. He's still around and could be one of the answers, but Adam Duvall played there in the playoffs, but isn't a center fielder. He's just like an emergency center fielder in a lot of ways. They have Guillermo Heredia. Like <laughs> if, if Acuna can't or won't or doesn't want to play center field, yeah, that does matter. And the, so I thought that was at least a noteworthy comment. This is, again, it's, it's secondhand. No one from the Braves said this right now. Ronald didn't say this either, but uh, it was just kind of like, a, oh, that's an interesting statement. It was, and it, it's a pretty small sample at this point, but you know, Ronald never looked fully comfortable, at least in my opinion, in center field. I don't... He had a couple of gaffes out there. And again, he's such a young player and the bar was so, so high for him with all the prospect type that he had. And it wasn't like he was bad in center field, but he never looked fully comfortable. And maybe, uh, maybe that's part of, of why he doesn't want to be there. And I think he can obviously be a very valuable corner outfielder. It seems like he enjoys right field, especially with his big time arm and, and the d- dimensions of truest. But um, yeah, I, I saw that quote earlier and I thought it was interesting. Um, I would assume that Andrew is correct in, in when he's talked with Ronald and, and all that. But um, yeah, this, the center field thing is a is a very pressing question. Whenever there is some kind of agreement here uh, with the CBA, uh, the Braves have a handful of questions. And one of them is who is going to play center field? And that is a fairly large question. Uh, just a couple of weeks before then spring training and games will begin. Yeah, they have several questions, which we, we, which we have discussed in the past between, you know, an outfielder in general, but now even more specifically, potentially a center fielder. Um, they also need probably another bullpen arm or two. And we'll talk about the, this now on our last bailback question, I think for today's podcast um, is this one. And this kind of plays into it, but the question comes from Kobe who asks if the Braves had to open the season right now with only their current options at starting pitcher, how bad, this is his question, his framing, how bad would the rotation be? So, like I just said, I have said this a number of times. I think the Braves do need to sign at least one more starter, at least trade for or acquire another starter who is at least major league capable. But in this question, we have to assume that they don't have one of those guys. This is interesting interesting to me. I'm going to use Zips as a rough projection, keeping in mind, by the way, that the rest of baseball is also not done with free agency. That is important to drive home in all of these discussions, whether it be projections for the team and the standings, this assumes other teams also have deficiencies that they have not filled just yet. But Zips is a pretty good projection system. Dan Zaborski is very smart. And uh, they actually had the Braves way higher than I thought, to be honest with you. Did you have the same reaction when you saw the numbers here that I uh, put in the doc? Like, I was surprised that the Braves, I'll just spoil it now, the Braves were number 10 in Major League Baseball in rotation projected war. And that was honestly higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, quite obviously, it's it's heavily carried by two Three outstanding guys. guys. Yeah, two, two, two and a half outstanding, guys. <laughs> and, and Ian Anderson, who has shown he can be really good. He has not had a full-on, you know, fully healthy big league regular season, obviously coming up during the COVID year, and then he had a couple of injuries last year. But um, I think if you look at those projections, Charlie and Max account for so much of it, and then you throw in, throw in Ian, you hope his shoulder is okay after last year, and then a very, very good bullpen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a little higher than I thought, but I guess not a huge surprise. Yeah. I think it's important to note, like, you know, this is, this is starting pitching only, but they have to plug in 
Um, this is the same thing with, with first base, which we discussed with Eric uh, on our last show. I think the last uh, main show, we talked about the, the infield and, you know, kind of how comically bad the first base projection is for the Braves right now because they can't have Freeman, but they have to put somebody there. So it's, yeah. like, Orlando, it's like Orlando Arcia and some minor leaguers who have no chance of actually being on the team this year. And Eric was laughing about that, and so was I. But with the Braves projection from Zips on the pitching side, you had the three guys we just mentioned, like Freed with 3.4, War, um, Morton at 3.2 in a relatively reduced workload. Anderson, um, I've always said, and always kind of noticed this, and I think you know this too, Anderson's projections are always a little bit lower than the profile of him. Like, yeah. because his peripherals have not always been great. And um, it's just kind of interesting to see, like, the metrics don't love Ian Anderson. That's kind of always been the case. But maybe he's just going to be one of those guys forever that just overperforms. But we'll kind of see on that one. But regardless, he's only projected for 2.2 war, which is like solid, but nothing terribly impressive from your number three starter. So after that, it gets kind of wild on the innings, which is sort of informing this. Uh, it has Enola at 119 innings, which is interesting. Uh, it has Mike Soroka at hundred exactly, which I'm not sure if that was an arbitrary add in there or what Tucker Davidson is projected for some innings here. Kyle Muller, uh, a small role for Kyle Wright and a smaller role for Spencer Strider is how they get there. Um, but basically they have, Zips does anyway, they have Enoa and Soroka both being like pretty decent in like half seasons, like more than being worth more than one war. And like, that's not, uh, that's not out of the question, but I am always been a little bit lower on, you know, on, on Enoa for one thing. And also Soroka is just an enormous question mark. You know, if he's hundred percent healthy, then sure. But oh yeah, we'll yeah. see. Um, so at the end of the day, there's some comfort with those top three, as long as Morton is okay. But um, it really is like a big unknown after that. And like, the good thing is they have depth. Like a lot of teams would probably kill to have, you know, five or six options that are at least talented and young, but none of these guys, San Soroka pre-injury are proven at all. And, I, and I'm counting, you know, I know he had a pretty good couple months, but yeah. he's not a proven option for me. No, no. So, I mean, we'd all be guessing, but, I think that I would have a little bit less faith in the Braves rotation, again, with no other alterations um, than Zips does here. But again, that also factors in that other teams haven't made moves either. So maybe 10th is like not unreasonable because a lot of teams would love to have a top three like Freed, Morton, and Anderson. So there's that. It is. And this is a common theme really from last year. But I, I think it's pretty safe to say that when they are healthy, uh, Charlie, Morton, Max Freed, and Ian Anderson, when they are on the mound for the Braves, you feel pretty good about the Braves chance to win that night. I mean, is that, is that fair? Obviously baseball can be a weird game. Certainly things happen, but more times than not, I would imagine if you compiled the Braves record and the starts those three make, it's going to be pretty damn good, especially with the lineup or at least what we expect the lineup to be. And uh, the bullpen projected to be good once again. Um, you know, right. Like Waskari Noah, he was great for like a month and a half. Got hurt was not good uh, the right the rest of the way and then of course barely pitched in the postseason i love mike soroka everyone loves mike soroka it's just there's no precedent for guys who have had the history of injuries that he's had i hope he wins comeback player of the year and i hope he wins a cy young one day but as far as outlook and projections i just don't know how you count on mike for anything at this point because of the unfortunate injuries and, and then you have a bunch of guys who got a little bit of a taste of the big leagues last year tucker davidson kyle Muller. Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, I guess, you know, Tukey Toussaint could fall in there somewhere too. Like these guys, sure. Have they had flashes? Yes. 
Um, but can you project them to be good next year? Of course not, because they've never done it. That's not to say they couldn't do it, but if, naturally you have to be a little skeptical of their ability to make, you know, even 20 starts where you're feeling good about them. So um, you're right that the Braves have some depth. I don't know if it's depth that they can necessarily bank on because of how young and inexperienced it is. Um, but again, talking about what this roster needs whenever free agency and trade season resumes, um, they need a first baseman. They need to figure out the outfield slash center field. Um, and, and then they probably need to add a veteran starter of some kind. And I don't know if anyone, I mean, we were hoping they would pack a deal with like Justin Verlander, or Noah Syndergaard, someone like that. And they obviously didn't pay the price. It's time, um, Scott. It's time it's, for the return. It's time for it's, the return. I'll let you take this one because you know where I'm going, but a, a Drew Smiley type of guy, not a star. There's really no stars left in free agency other than maybe Clayton Kershaw. If his back is suddenly healthy and I I don't think he's going to leave LA for what it's worth, but we'll see. Um, There's really no one in, in way of free agency after the big frenzy in December. Um, And then trading for pitching, you can do it. It's difficult. Usually you have to overpay. Would the Braves want to dip into their farm system? That, that's a question for Alex Anthopoulos and Co. to figure out. But uh, there's definitely some upside with these young guys in the rotation. Um, could you tell me that Waskari Noah and Tucker Davidson could both throw 130 innings this season and be really good? Sure, I'd believe that's possible. you. Kyle Wright, who is going to be my pick to break out for like the 11th season in a row? Sure. But like it's just tough to, to bank on any of these guys just because they've never done it over four years before. Right. And we're kind of kidding about Drew Smiley and it may not be Drew Smiley, but Drew Smiley type is kind of an all encompassing term because for one thing, we've seen Anthopolis do this. Like he, he definitely likes a one-year deal for a vet. Like he's done it almost every year. Has he done it every year? I feel like he's done, he maybe done it every year. Like he's yeah. definitely done a lot of these, whether it was Cole Hamels or Keuchel. Dallas yep. Keuchel before that or whatever. But, um, and yeah, Smiley was not great and he's not fantastic, but like, I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you just said, I have to bet on who is better for one season between Drew Smiley and Tucker Davidson in 2022, I'm taking Drew Smiley. Like same with Kyle Muller, same with Kyle Wright. Like, yes, the upside is lower. No one is saying otherwise. The the upside on Drew Smiley is lower than those guys. But in terms of just median outcome, I think it's definitely Drew Smiley on those guys. Yeah. So he's he's safer. And then, and it doesn't have to be Drew Smiley. Like I know there's, Exactly. There's some strong opinions on, on Drew. We're naturally. using that as an example, but that, that's yes. not the guy that they have to be. But it's a the, that archetype. It's the, the one-year stopgap guy who you're just hoping to get 175 innings from that's just like a decent uh, you know, fourth starter option. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, I'll be stunned if they don't find that guy somewhere. Like, I cannot imagine coming off the World Series, number one, that they're going to just co- go into the season with – quite literally a shrug at the fourth and fifth starter spot. Like maybe, maybe number five, you can do that and just like try just have a yeah. plan to try yeah. out these guys. But having two of those spots, especially when you factor in like Morton is pretty old and coming off an injury, Anderson's concerns or at least mild concerns, like, man, it would be kind of indefensible to just roll with this rotation. I feel, I feel like they just have to do something else. Yeah. Unless significant games get canceled. Like if, if, if Buster again, just one report, but if Buster only's agent is right. And it's, we don't have baseball until like the end of June, like, okay, maybe, but if there's anything close to a normal season here and let's hope. um, Yeah. I mean, could you, could you withstand a rotation of 
Enoa and Davidson and Muller and Wright rotating out of that fifth and quite honestly that sixth spot because we know that you need multiple guys. Sure, uh, but I think I'd be in in the in favor of at least adding a veteran guy, someone you can trust. And as we saw last year with Smiley, if it's just not working out at some point, you can kind of kick him out and and figure it out. Um, you're not going to be committing high dollars or high prospect capital, at least I don't expect. Um, so they have some options. I, I do think it's again worth re-emphasizing. They have some really nice depth here. Yep. It, it's just unproven depth, and that's hard when you're trying to win another World Series uh, to just bank on and hope. It's it's not a 2015 situation where it's like, yeah, the team sucks. If we throw out some young guys and they just clearly aren't ready and they have to cover two months, like who cares? We're not in the running. Uh, they're going to have to be ready to go and. Uh, let's hope at least one, if not more of these guys take a step forward next season. There's certainly some potential, uh, but I do think a veteran of some kind would be a worthwhile addition. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see them not doing it. I mean, it might be boring as all get out. It might be even, you know, Drew Smiley ish, or it might even be Drew Smiley, but they might, they, I cannot imagine Anthopolis rolling with what he has, especially if you just look at his track record. Like I just don't, he, he does this every year. He signs somebody for, to a one-year, $10 million contract or whatever it is going to be every single time. And, like, it's a perfect time for it. Honestly, this team is even more set up for that. Like, it's, it, there's a screaming need on this roster for a uninspiring veteran. <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing to say out loud, but it really yeah, is no, true. It is. And who knows who they'll – and there are still some guys left. Like, all the big names, Robbie Ray signed for big money early on. Um, you know, the, there's there's other types like Marcus Stroman, I thought was a possibility. He signed with Chicago. I mean, there's a couple guys. Carlos Rodon is is out there. He's intriguing. Uh, we mentioned Kershaw, maybe because Anthopolis presumably knows him a little bit from his time in L.A. I, I'm not I don't think that's likely, but we'll see. I mean, we saw Zach Grinke is like the ghost of Zach Grinke at this point, but he's still out there. Um, you know, I think like someone like Danny Duffy or I think Michael Waka signed with someone before, but those type of guys, no one's sexy. You're not going to, you know, run up and down your, your stairs in excitement. Like it's Christmas morning when the, the tweet comes across, but, <laughs> but they, speak they for, do speak need, for yourself, Scott. I, know, say that right now. I don't know. Maybe we have some big Danny Duffy fans. I Listen, know. I am, uh, I am predisposed to uh, elaborate celebrations. I'm really a, really a fiery, really a fiery guy deep down. So I'm known for that. <laughs> that's why we love you brad uh yeah but uh (laughs) there's i guess the one not one but one of the positives on the horizon is that whenever they do get a deal there should be some real activity from the braves they have again enormous hole at first base got to figure out center field probably got to figure out their back end of the rotation yeah there's some work to do for anthopolis it's not a new phenomenon we kind of knew that already but uh every time i think about the actual baseball part of baseball. It's like, yeah, the Braves got a lot of work to do. Not that they're not going to be good anyway, because they are. I mean, yeah. even if, and we'll get into this if we have to, but if Freeman leaves, like, does that hurt them? Yes, it does. But like, if you just told me Freddie's off the team and signed somewhere else right now, this is still a good, this is still a good team. Uh, oh, it's yeah. just how good yeah. they are is the level. And listen, they just won the world series. So the bar is pretty high. <laughs> uh, it's going to change the discussion in a lot of ways. And, you know, there's the uh, the old adage, I think it was Bill Simmons adage of like the five-year rule where you can't complain about anything. We're going to break that, Scott. I promise you. Oh, you already know we're going to be arguing game three. Of well, it's kind of our job, too, to be honest. Like, yeah. at least it's, uh, it, it is our job to at least, analyze. I'm not sure if it's like complain, but we're at least going to analyze like in the first time that they uh, do something stupid. And I'll probably say it on the podcast, but 
alas. Uh, that'll, be a, that'll be a better day, though. Uh, I'm looking forward to the first time I have to complain about Brian Sticker putting in a reliever that I don't like. That'll be fun, actually. I, I can forward. already, yeah, I can already hear it now. And I'm looking forward to it because I think everybody wants baseball. Really sucks. I mean, again, we'd be like three weeks away from opening day right now, which is a real shame. Um, let's hope, man, I know we've talked about this June potential thing. Like, let's hope they are able to Please work don't. something out and get us back by end of April or early March or, or uh, early May, something like that. Uh, okay, Scott, before we get out of here, um, there is a chance that you and I don't talk on this platform until after at least the first weekend of March Madness. Cause I have to cover that event. Uh, I would, I'm definitely not recording that weekend. Even if, even if, even, even by the way, even if they sign a deal, the weekend of March Madness, I cannot record. So you'll probably hear from Eric and Scott or something, uh, but I have to, I have to work that weekend regardless because of that. And because you and I are you and I, how you feel about Arizona, your team in college? This Costa? is uh yeah, this, uh, you actually this... have a real team. My, my team is just okay this year and they're not going to win the championship. Arizona has an actual chance. So they do have an actual chance uh, for the East coasters who maybe haven't seen much of Arizona this year. Uh, they, they basically, so they hired longtime Gonzaga assistant coach and they have effectively turned into Gonzaga in one year, uh, at least with the style of play. I feel good about them. We'll see. I have some uh, Arizona in so many ways it, or like the Atlanta Braves. Um, oh, what, what a parallel. This is fantastic. Deliver because give me this analogy right now. I mean, here we go. Ready for this. They made the tournament 27 years in a row. They were a top four seed in 25 of those 27 years. They won it once. And they won one time. Yeah. Does that sound a little bit like the uh, Atlanta Braves baseball franchise? It does sound I, kind of familiar. And also, uh, the team that won it was not the best team. For that is true. That is true. W- weren't they a four seed when they won the championship? Am I crazy? Uh, yes. And they four beat my, my baby, Miles Simon. The uh, only team ever to beat three number one seeds. That's a great like Jeopardy trivia question. Am I not an absolute maniac that I know what seed Arizona was ninety seven? That's just something uh, that I'm. I should. I uh, I love you for it. You might be the only Braves fan in the world <laughs> who also knows that, other than me. Uh, um, well, but no, I'm. I am all in on March Madness. It helps. I mean, obviously, when your team unexpectedly. I mean, you know, Arizona, of course, historically has been good. The last few years haven't been so great, but March Madness by itself is for my money, the best sporting event in the world. We both love it so much. So, And then when you have a a dog in the fight and a good team, team that has a real chance to make a final four, it's just so much better. Um, I'm fully ready to do a podcast the day after they lose in the sweet 16, like start crying when you bring it up. But uh, that's what sports (laughs) are, baby. If you won every time, everyone would be happy and there would be no reason to be a fan. So. Yeah, listen, uh, if you're a listener to this podcast for a while, you might recall that back in the, late fall, early winter, Scott and I had a bet about a Michigan-Arizona game and Arizona just smashed Michigan. And at that point, I kind of knew it wasn't going to be a good Michigan team. Um, but I didn't know Arizona was going to be this good. And they are very, very good. So uh, if you want to support Scott, you can root for Arizona in the March Madness uh, yeah. in your pool or whatever you want to go with there. <laughs> I, uh, and, I, root, yeah. I root for Scott's happiness. Although it, w- it would be a little bit overkill. I have to say, Scott, if Arizona won the championship this year, I'd be a little bit overkill for you. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe separated a little bit. I was going to say Georgia fans got a, a college football championship and the Braves. So yeah. It's, it's so fair. funny. Like I know you kind of know this, but as someone you don't live here, there are a lot of pieces. It's something that national people don't get. There are a ton of Braves fans in particular that are not UGA fans. Like there are so many Braves fans from Alabama and Mississippi oh, yeah. and the Carolinas. Oh, yeah. And like, there's this notion that like Atlanta gets another title and it's like, well, 
number one, Georgia's not in Atlanta. It's not an actual Atlanta team. It's a Georgia team for sure. But like, especially with, with regard to the Braves, like, I mean, I don't know if it's half, but there are a ton of Braves fans that do not like Georgia. <laughs> like not, and not even not even just like aren't a fan, but like actually root against Georgia. Yeah, like yeah. if you're a Tech fan, you don't root for Georgia. If you're an Alabama fan, you probably don't root for Georgia, although there is that weird SEC thing where they all root for each other. I don't understand that. Um, but regardless, it's kind of interesting, and uh, we all have our teams. Uh, also, it happens in the NFL. I, we, I know I have, we have tons of various people that we know on Twitter and things that are like Panthers fans and there are a ton of fans or there are a ton of Braves Panthers fans. Like, well, yeah, it's it's the same thing we talked about forever. Like I think it's like Dan Simpson's a, is a Panthers fan. I think Bennett's a Panthers fan. Um, All kinds of that going on. The Braves are such a regional team, right? Like from the Carolinas down to the Mississippi and Louisiana, Texas, like they're everywhere and in national too. I mean, hell look at, you know, look at me. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so please don't yell at me when Arizona loses in the uh, second round. <laughs> please yell at Scott if uh, Arizona loses. That's part of the deal here. So, uh, no, like, yeah. I think we'll probably talk at some point in the near future, but I want to at least get out in front of that because I know you and I love March Madness. I know a lot of our listeners probably do as well, but truly, uh, I think we're probably one percenters on March Madness. I absolutely love March Madness. Favorite time of the year. I'll be very, very busy that weekend. So no podcast for me, I promise you on that. But um yeah, hopefully we'll get a deal before then. That would be sort of a pie in the sky no show at this point, I think. But um, regardless, it's March 6th and the tournament, I, I guess right now as we speak, Selection Sunday will have already happened a week from now. Like it's, we're like a couple hours away from that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there'll be NCAA tournament basketball in like 10 days. We're off the rails it's, talking uh, about it right now, but we are. I was going to say, this, this is, is the end of the podcast. So whatever. That's right. Yeah. We love everyone who sticks with us this late. Yeah, usually this is like one of the best times of year for sports fans. You have baseball ready to go. Spring training. You have March. Yeah, you have spring training, opening day, a couple weeks out. You have March Madness and all the con- even like the week of the conference tournaments is awesome. Um, you have the NFL draft is on the horizon. The combine was this weekend. You have the NBA and NHL playoffs are like what a month, month and a half away. Like this is usually, I mean, it still is a good time for sports fans. It just sucks. There's no baseball because you and I and everyone who listens to this are of course, big baseball fans, but um, at least, at least we're not like in the middle of summer when there's literally nothing else going on except for baseball. Well, don't, don't, don't jinx us now, Scott, because that could be happening pretty soon Sorry. here, but um, no, you're right. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here and uh, I want to always get, get the uh, basketball talk in case we couldn't do that later on. Uh, and hopefully Arizona navigates the first weekend and we talk about it again, um, but we'll see. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um, as for everybody else, one more plug here, uh, find the battery power podcast on your podcast platform of choice, whether it be Spotify or Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher. I don't know. There's all overcast, all kinds of places have podcasts, but we want to uh, be your baseball home for the Braves somewhere. And there's room for other podcasts too. No question. It is not the exclusive thing, but if you support the show, please subscribe and review and ratings and are always good. Also follow all the written content batterypower.com. I very rarely write, but Scott writes and Eric writes and Chris writes and Sean writes and whatever else is going on. So that's always invaluable even now. And I have to say this, um, not because you have to do it because I actually want to, uh, it is kind of wild how much content batterypower.com has had in the last few months with nothing to talk about because Chris is a maniac in the best way. So, yeah, if, uh, yeah, I mean, seriously, we, we, We appreciate you guys tuning into the pod and checking out the site. Please continue to do so. It it helps us out tremendously. Um, And you're right. Chris Willis, our fearless leader, does a great job. If you ever want to compare apples to apples, go look around at some of the other like 
I'm not trying to throw anyone, anyone under the bus, but like go look at some of the other SB Nation baseball blogs and compare them to the amount of content. Uh, it's night and day, and that's testament to Chris and the team that he's assembled. So uh, we really do appreciate all the support, and let's hope we have uh, we never have to do Brad and Scott's favorite recipes episode of this podcast. We're getting close, man. I'm telling you, we're getting close here. I, I a couple more of these uh, non negotiation sessions, and we'll be into we'll be into the deep mailbag. Um, it, I, I will say, if you want to help us avoid that, send in mailbag questions to Scott <laughs> yes. Coleman on Twitter. Um, that's probably the best place to do it, but no, I'm kind of kidding, but honestly, no, that questions are going to be very helpful because there will be weeks. It seems like where we just have nothing to talk about and that will be a way to fill it. And I do enjoy thinking about things. And I have a couple of lists that we can do that I've actually kind of saved them on purpose and we haven't had to use them yet, which is very nice. But at some point we will have to like rank our uh, Braves teams from 91 to now. That's, like, that's actually on my agenda. That's do. actually, yeah, that'd be a good podcast. Yeah. Uh, it also be my, like, might be a five hour podcast if we actually did it for real, but <laughs> Anyway, all right, Scott. Well, thank you for uh, being here, my friend. We'll talk again soon, even if not before the March Madness festivities begin. As for everybody else, please subscribe. Please follow us on Twitter at Battery Power SBN. Follow me if you'd like to at BT Roland. Follow Scott at Scott Coleman fifty five. We'll see you next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.